Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, October 7th. We begin with a look at Calgary's mayoralty race. With less than two weeks from the civic election, our Dave McIver highlights the top candidates for the job according to the most recent polling stats. Today, Dave talks with Brad Field. Next, it's a hot-button issue and one that will be featured on election ballots come October 18th, fluoride in Calgary's water supply. We talk about the pros and cons of adding fluoride and do some myth-busting surrounding the health aspect of fluoridated water with a professor of community health from the University of Calgary. We've been focused on the COVID-19 vaccine over the past year and a half, but it's not the only vaccine we need to get. We speak with Dr. Vivian Brown, past president of the Federation of Medical Women of Canada, about the importance of the HPV vaccine during this HPV Awareness Week. And finally, she's back ahead of her Calgary tour stop with Buck Cherry. We speak with 90s Canadian rock icon Biff Naked. We hear about how she's been spending her time during the pandemic and what inspires her to keep making music. The municipal election, of course, October 18th. And with many Calgarians still undecided, Dave McIver is chatting with the top five mayoral candidates, according to the polls, as we move closer to Election Day. I am an undecided voter, and apparently, I'm not alone. According to a recent poll conducted by Leger for the Calgary Firefighters Association between October 1st and 4th, 29% of Calgarians are undecided heading into our October 18th municipal election. My goal is to chat with the five candidates involved in the poll and ask them the same three questions. First up is Brad Field, the owner of a truck and bus collision repair and refurbishment company operating in Canada and the U.S., Field also has volunteer experience on the boards of a youth recovery foundation and a kids' charity golf tournament. Field hopes to revitalize and diversify the city's economy, revise the city's taxes and budgets, and improve affordable housing and attract younger citizens with talent. Here's my conversation with Brad Field. What is your plan to revitalize the downtown core? Yeah, we definitely have to repopulate the downtown core. When I communicate with uh, the next generation, because that's why... I'm uh, in this race is about the next generation. It's about my kids. I've got three adult kids and everything is geared towards what's going to make them choose Calgary uh, to be the place where they want to live, work and play. And so downtown revitalization, uh, every young adult, every next generation I talk to, they want to live, work and play in the downtown core. So uh, my idea is around uh, getting post-secondary institutions into the downtown core, making sure we create that downtown work co-op programs between the post-secondary and businesses, local businesses. So I have this vision of, uh, you know, having affordable housing for students in the downtown core. Uh, so they wake up in the morning, they have a cup of coffee. Uh, go to class, you know, take the elevator to class on the third floor, uh, go out for lunch, then come back, take the elevator uh, to the 30th floor and do a co-op program uh, in their uh, in their chosen profession and, uh, you know, live, work and play in the downtown core. So creating that vibrant downtown core, but making sure there's a reason uh, that they choose Calgary, making sure that they have a job, right? Food and shelter, uh, the necessities of life are uh, the first starting point. So we got to rebuild that economy and make sure that uh, businesses are thriving. And when businesses thrive, they grow. And when they grow, they hire more people. Um, I'm a former Chaparral resident. Uh, we live in McKenzie Town now, so a little easier for me to access transit. But uh, in Chaparral, basically, if I wanted to go to work in the morning, um, I'm driving. There's, there's, uh, there's no way. You know, I have enough time to, you know, get ready in the morning, uh, take a bus all the way to, uh, you know, Shaughnessy Station, then hop on a train. You know, it can be an hour and a half 
you know, commute. What is your plan for getting uh, transit to all four corners of the city where we can hop on a train uh, and, and make that commute a little bit slower or uh, quicker? Yeah, there's no question we can do a better job. Reaching as many Calgarians as possible is the key, right? And making sure we hit all the all the quadrants, as you say. So yeah, there's no question. I think we should be uh, uh, shovels in the ground in the southeast. We've got the land acquired. It's flat. You know, reasonably, there's no surprises ahead of us. Uh, we want to get north of the river. That's where the ridership is the highest and uh, they need the uh, public transportation. So we got to get north of the river. In order to do that, though, I think we got to stop talking about uh, tunneling under downtown Calgary. Uh, it is uh, single-handedly the largest part of the budget. Two billion of the $5 billion budget is just based on tunneling under downtown Calgary. Uh, it's going to be extremely disruptive. If we go away from that and do surface or above grade uh, LRT, uh, we have a better chance of reaching more Calgarians and building it on time and on budget. So that's the key is making sure we reach as many Calgarians as possible. And then to expand on that, we got to connect our international airport to downtown. I cannot believe I've been pushing this for three and a half years since I started. We are the only major center once Montreal has done their rail link. We are the only major center in Canada that will not have have rail transportation between their international airport and downtown. And then to expand on that, and I've been pushing it, it's a private sector initiative around connecting YYC through downtown to Banff. That is a game changer for not only Calgary, but Southern Alberta. So making sure that public transportation, if we're going to build a city for the future, uh, world-class city, we got to have world-class transportation. Uh, let's get shovels in the ground. Let's get it built. But let's rethink of how we're doing it so we can reach as many Calgarians as possible. Uh, my last question, um, I was chatting with uh, the Action Chinese Canadian together um, last week, and they've obviously seen uh, um, an uptick in the amount of racist behavior in the city. We saw everything that happened over the last two years, um, and they believe there's a lot of work to do. What is your plan when it comes to combating racism in Calgary? Yeah, there's no question. First of all, we have to acknowledge that it that it exists, right? And so that's the first step. Uh, we I often say we have to get comfortable with uncomfortable conversations. And because, uh, you know, for a lot of people that don't have lived experience, we don't understand. So making sure that we're open-minded and having these discussions. I've committed to setting up uh, councils, advisory councils with any uh, demographic uh, or cultural sector that wants to have direct access uh, to the mayor's office. That's where the conversation starts, is making sure that the people that are affected the most uh, have access uh, to the city of Calgary, i.e. the mayor's office. So um, Indigenous, I've committed to an Indigenous Advisory Council, uh, Seniors Council. Um, I would be open-minded to anybody or any cultural sector that is interested in connecting with the mayor's office on a regular basis to better Calgary. We want to make sure that all Calgarians have the same opportunity and feel welcome and safe in the city of Calgary. I'm Dave McIver with Global News Radio 770 CHQR. And, you know, it's interesting to me with a, a name like Bradfield. And Brad was one of the candidates. Actually, though, you never know. You might not be home. Right. Came by the door. Oh, right. A, he knocked a chat on your with door, him. Yeah. yeah. It, a really nice guy. Uh, and again, I'm still doing my due diligence on, uh, as far as the civic election and, and the mayor spot. But I look back to the fact that, you know, he does not have council experience. But neither did Mayor Nahad Nenshi. So mm -hmm. that could be a good thing mm -hmm. to have somebody fresh ideas and as as mayor nenshi had to you know shown us you don't necessarily have to have that experience. some people might say i want to for sure have a candidate who went through council and that's okay but i think that's the we beauty see it does of, work either way yeah learning about who these top five candidates and again these are according to the polling numbers who yeah. are the top five that we're going to focus on so that you get a little taste of who they are what they stand for what they represent 
because it's an important decision. There are a lot of people who love Mayor Nenshi and there are a lot of people that can't stand him. So if you want to be able to criticize our next mayor, you need to be able to, you know, do your homework and cast your ballot because, you know, it's kind of one of those people say it a lot. And I think it's pretty true. You, you know, if, don't criticize if, if you haven't done your due diligence and, and you didn't vote. Super cliche, but you said because it's cliche because it's true. Yeah, uh, yeah so much. And this is, uh, I swear, the most challenging election I've faced. It's a tough one. At all levels. A lot of work to be done. You need to know your school trustee as well as, you know, fluoride, daylight saving time, um, you know, the the, uh, counselors, and then, of course, the candidates for the mayor. So that was Brad Field. We're going to talk to Jan Damery as well. We're going to talk to Jeff Davison, Jody Gondek, and... Um, your alderman, uh, Jeremy Farkas. Jeremy well, Farkas. not anymore. Oh, great. It's open. Of course. And that's but the other thing we yes. can discuss that no turning back. If you decide to leave, yeah. that's a tough decision. We're going to lose yeah. a lot of good counselors because a lot of them are running for mayor. Very interesting times for us. And again, that's over the next uh, several days into next week as well. Fluoride back on the ballot this fall, and a lot of Calgarians have a whole lot of questions about its benefits and risks associated with adding fluoride back into the city of Calgary's water. Joining us to help tackle some of these questions is Lindsay McLaren, professor in the Department of Community Health Sciences and O'Brien Institute for Public Health. Thank you so much for joining us, Professor. Appreciate your time on this. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Professor, we had fluoride in our water. We took it out. We're talking about adding it back in. Do we need to be concerned about the amount of fluoride we're talking about in our water? Right. So that's a, that's a great question and a very important one. Uh, I would say that, uh, that the answer would be no. Um, the, the weight of the evidence that, uh, that we have available uh, does indicate that uh, the fluoride that one would put in a municipal drinking water supply um, for the purpose of preventing tooth decay is, uh, is both effective and safe. Okay, we want it to be effective. We want it to be safe. Let's talk about, you know, the effectiveness and, and the benefit. Uh, you know, uh, can you give us some facts and figures on and how this benefits not just, you know, society as a whole, but an individual family, for example? Sure. So so I will talk at the population level mm-hmm. because that's, that's what the research um, does. And, and I can actually draw from my own group's research in, in this regard. Uh, so so we, have, uh, we have conducted some research uh, that includes uh, school children in grade two in Calgary and Edmonton. So Calgary where fluoride was stopped in 2011, as you noted, and Edmonton where it remains in place. And uh, we, we just published a new study out of that, um, that work. And for example, we found that the, uh, the proportion of kids uh, that have cavities in their baby teeth um, is about 55% uh, in Edmonton, where fluoridation is in place, and about 65% in Calgary, where, where fluoridation was stopped. So it's quite high in both cities, but that's also a fairly big difference between the two places. Professor, is there misinformation going around? Is this one of those topics where there's, you know, some some in- information got out there and people just spread it around because they bought into it and it might not, in fact, be truthful about the harm and dangers of having fluoride in the water? Uh, so I would say yes. Um, that's certainly an issue that's that's not unique to fluoridation, but it's uh, it certainly occurs in the fluoridation space as well. We've also heard, Professor, that, you know, you can... You might be able to even taste it. It wouldn't affect the taste of our water at all, would it? No, it wouldn't. That's correct. 
but I know from my own dentist, I've talked to him about this, you know, that, that there are so many kids, and was speaking to that right here in Calgary, in areas where parents might not be able to afford regular dental care, they've really seen a decline in dental health and in a, a big uptick in cavities. So it, it, this is something, when we have it in our municipal water, it really can make a difference in the mouths, the dental health of, of both young people and older people, correct? So that's that's correct. And you raise a very important aspect of our context here, uh, which is that uh, dental care services are not part of our universally publicly funded health care system. They're, they're situated in the private sector, which means that even though some prevention can take place when you when you go to the dentist or the dental hygienist, um, that that is out of reach for a number of families just because of the cost. Um, so it's so in that type of a situation in particular, it's important to look to other means of primary prevention um, to which everybody can have access. And so fluoridation is one example of that. Thank you so much for your time and your clarification this morning, Professor. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. That is Lindsay McLaren, professor from the Department of Community Health Sciences and O'Brien Institute for Public Health at the University of Calgary. And again, kind of a heads up on your ballot when you are going in to vote, and that is one of the questions beyond the mayor, councillor, school board, trustee, etc. You are voting yes or no on re-adding fluoride to our water, and apparently it's way down at the bottom of the ballot, and some people are missing it. So just a heads up for you, that is one of the important questions that is on the ballot that you really need to make sure that you decide, you know, is it yes or is it going to be no? Yeah, and you know what? It's, you heard Professor McLaren there with the, any adverse health effects. That's my number one question here because mm-hmm. I grew up with fluoride in the water. Me too. And I, I think, you know, I, when I've been to my dentist, and I've had a couple of different dentists over the past five years, one retired, and they both said to me, just kind of, not, I'm not sure if it was because they knew I was in the news industry or it was just conversation they have. They said, we could tell from a year, two years, three years, mm-hmm. moving out past seeing the fluoridation, we could tell by the state of children's teeth. Yes. I, I know just the, in the age difference between my kids, born in 2006, born in 2009, the age difference, my dentist can see the difference in it's, my, it's crazy. In my uh, youngest. If dentists are saying, and you think about it like this, if you're a conspiracy theorist at all, do you think dentists would want fluoride in the water if it was about them making more money? Good point. I mean, I never never thought of it until right this second, but I mean, it is not, a a trip to the dentist office is not cheap. And I don't know who you work for if you're listening to the sound of our voices, but I've never had a a, a dental program that I'm like, wow, this is great. Everything's covered. You're paying out of pocket. You always run out of money. money. Yeah, it never covers everything. And you know, a heads up too, we did get a messaging from the fluoride yes group just to let you know that they've done research and there is foreign money paying Canada Post to send out the flyers right now um, that talk about fluoride no and the information on it is incorrect. So be very careful about what you're reading. Make sure you do your own research. Um, It looks like that what is with foreign money and the PACs that are, you know, um, backing a lot of the candidates, not just for mayor, but council we're hearing. There's just a whole lot of weird stuff happening this election. So, you know, yes or no on the fluoride, you make your own decision. Just do a little research on your own because you, as that doctor said, or a specialist said, there's no information that, that shows that, it, that there's negative health effects there's from out. the minute amount that of um, fluoride that's in the water. Well, and that's my thing. I'd love to, not a conspiracy theory, not a, a weird video of a doctor we've never heard of. That's great, right? All I'm saying is, this is that's my opinion as somebody with young kids. 
it is your choice. And we have that opportunity. And it seems to me from what we've heard that on the plebiscite list or the additional questions on this ballot that you have the opportunity to put your voice in. Mm-hmm. This is the one that really has some teeth to it. Like Oh, quite literally. Of, I just thought, come on. I don't, Hopefully I honestly don't teeth think without this stuff cavities. Through. But, um, you know, like you were saying. <laughs> Keep a, keep keep an eye on that ballot because apparently it's buried at the bottom of the floor. Yeah. Question, as yeah. you say, make sure you, you you check off all the boxes that are there. Hey, you've got the opportunity to vote, so have your voice heard. And there you have it. And of course, as we heard in Tony's news, the advanced polling opens straight through until Sunday. So, search Elections Calgary for the details you need to know and where you need to go. One year after we did the original interview, we're following up on a study that looks at the impacts of the COVID pandemic on HPV vaccine programs. Joining us this morning during HPV Prevention Week is Dr. Vivian Brown, chair and co-founder of HPV Prevention Week in Canada. Good morning, Dr. Brown. Thanks for joining us. Hey, good morning, Sue. Thanks for having me back. Okay, can you just give us a quick reminder, HPV, what is it? So HPV refers to human papillomavirus. It's a virus that about 75 to 80 percent of adults will be exposed to at some point in their life. Persistent HPV, in other words, those of us that don't clear the virus, persistent HPV can lead to six different cancers. And what we're really interested in doing is using a vaccine, an HPV vaccine that's now been out in Canada since 2006, to prevent HPV disease by giving it to our children age 9 to 26, we decrease the risk significantly of them getting the virus, of being exposed, and therefore we decrease the risk of cancer. Wow. You mentioned down the line the effects of HPV, but is this something, Dr. Brown, that I I, I don't have to get screened for, I can just get the vaccination, or or how would I know that I've contracted HPV? So, because it's a virus like a common cold, we think about 80% of people will have been exposed to HPV. And we don't test to see who has cleared it or who hasn't cleared it. It is recommended that we um, immunize boys and girls, men and women between age 9 and 26, so that we decrease their risk. In the vaccine, there's nine different serotypes of the virus, which means we're preventing in cervical cancer, about 90% of cervical cancers. For people over the age of 26, you can also be immunized. You should talk with your doctor. And that's a decision between you and your physician. There's no upper age limit for being vaccinated. Doctor, a year later, what information have you gathered about the effects of the pandemic on HP vaccinations? Sue, it's really devastating. It's really upsetting. You know, in Calgary, for example, last year, only about 12% of eligible girls, 12-year-old girls, got their vaccine. That compares to 65.9% mm. in 2019. So a huge drop-off in vaccination because the vaccinations weren't being done in school because there was no school. Right. Schools were closed. So we really want to catch this cohort, this group of uh, 12, 13-year-olds who are eligible to be vaccinated It's the perfect time for them to be vaccinated. It's paid for by public health, and yet they've missed it. And lots of parents may not realize that their kids have missed a vaccine. 
Dr. Brown, it can be quite confusing these days with so much information coming at us surrounding, of course, the COVID-19 vaccines. Uh, but I know that people want to, their kids to be safe. So what if my child recently had the COVID vaccine? Is there some kind of a waiting period before I could get the HPV? Andy, that's such a great question because our National Advisory Committee just um, uh, gave recommendations last week that says you can co-administer vaccines So you can have HPV vaccine with your flu vaccine or with a COVID vaccine. There's no waiting time before or after. The initial thinking around the waiting time was because we weren't sure about the side effects of the COVID vaccines. Now that they've been out for more than a year, we're much more comfortable with it. And so we can co-administer these vaccines. They don't reduce the effectiveness of each other. They don't increase the risk of any side effects. And once someone's in your office, I'm a family doctor. When someone's in my office, I want to get them up to date on all their vaccines. So it's a really good question. And yes, we want to get people vaccinated for both COVID and HPV and coming up very shortly, flu vaccine. Mm -hmm. And I just to remind people, you said it, but free vaccinations for HPV, they don't cost you a penny. So uh, Dr. Brown, what website can we send folks to to get more information? Well, our website is Canada versus HPV. So uh, Canada vs HPV. And uh, it gives you links to a number of different websites so that people can understand what they're doing. You know, Alberta is one of the better provinces in terms of what they cover. And they cover, Alberta covers vaccine up to age 26. It's, you know, your public health dollars are at work. We mm-hmm. want to decrease your risk of cancers. And we know that Canada has now taken the position following the World Health Organization uh, call to action to eliminate cervical cancer. We have the opportunity to have a cancer disappear from the public health issues by getting people vaccinated. Thank you so much. Uh, oh, sorry. I was just going to say Australia has already announced they're going to be the first country and we want Canada to be the second. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all around vaccination. Be at the top of that list. That is the goal. Thank you so much, Dr. Brown. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Sue. Dr. Vivian Brown, past president of the Federation of Medical Women of Canada and chair and co-founder of HPV Prevention Week in in Canada. Eight forty-two. You know that music. She and her music stand the test of time. Biff Naked, an iconic Canadian rocker who is out with some new music and is hitting the stage tonight at the Grey Eagle Casino. It's a pleasure to say good morning. Well, it's the only rocker on the planet willingly awake at this hour. Good morning to you, Biff. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> oh, hey, it's a real pleasure. Good morning. Thank you. I hear that you're actually an early riser on the regular, so uh, we're grateful that you're here with us. I mean, your resume is huge. Obviously, international recording artist, dog mom, author, author, music mogul, and breast cancer survivor. I mean, your backstory is incredible. Is that what led you to where you are now? Do you think it's all those experiences that you've had, Biff, that keeps you coming back with more great music? Well, you're so nice. I think that all of us have a story. And, uh, you know, any of our art is cathartic, whether we are painting, writing poetry, or Making rock and roll, it's cathartic, it feels good, and it helps us express all our things. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Biff, listen, we don't, we don't like to put people in boxes, and I'm sure nobody likes to be categorized. Your style's super unique, your fashion, your whole persona, and obviously your music. How would you describe where you're coming from and your sound? 
Oh, good heavens. That's a big question. You know, I just always call it rock and roll. I know that for many years I was identified as being uh, kind of a punk rocker, mm-hmm. uh, but I think that's the era. You know, I'm a 90s kid, and all of my uh, musical heroes just happened to be in punk rock bands. Uh, but we also grew up with stuff like De La Soul and, and the you know, the, <laughs> mm-hmm. the first hip-hop bands that we ever loved and... I mean, we're lucky, you know, grunge, alternative music, punk rock, heavy metal, it's all the best. You know, and I, you know, I mentioned earlier in your intro that you're a breast cancer survivor, but really you're a survivor of so much. You've, you really have been around a, a long time making continuous <laughs> music and your sound kind of changes and incorporates, you know, the different times I'm, I'm imagining that you're going through when you're putting that music out there. Of all the things, what would you say kind of keeps fueling you day after day to show up and to, to keep making music? Oh, my gosh. Like, you know, today is a perfect example. You know, you guys are very lucky here in Calgary. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, the sun is shining. And uh, really, no matter um, no matter where I am in the world or what's happening in my life, no matter how kind of difficult it is, there's always something that's fantastic. You know, whether it is um, <laughs> my dog barking, <laughs> uh, whether it is, uh, you know, the, uh, the memory of, uh, my parents, whether, you know, whatever it is, I think that we all keep going no matter what is happening for us. There is always a reason to keep going and life is pretty fantastic no matter, you know, no matter what's happening. If the pandemic hard on everyone, I mean, we're all in this together. Um, it's not a great place to be all in together, but nevertheless, <laughs> it's impacted us all in different ways. And aside from, you know, hitting the road and having that connection with audiences, I'm wondering during this time that you didn't have that opportunity, what was your creative outlet? What did you do to, to keep yourself entertained and to let those juices flow? Oh, the pandemic has been so hard um, on people, uh, on families. Everyone's lost work, not just us in the in the music business, but I mean everybody. And um, you know, the, no no government can get it right. You know, everyone's going to make mistakes. But for for people like us who uh, are stuck at home, uh, we're not we're not making money. We're not out there touring and playing concerts. Uh, we threw ourselves into making a new record. Really, I mean that's all we could do, and we made a record that was loud. And nasty, <laughs> and um, and I can't wait. I can't wait to uh, to get back to putting new music out and touring it. And you know, we played "I Love Myself" today, one of your biggest hits coming into this. But a little earlier this morning, we played a little bit of "Broke Into Your Car." So ah. tell us about you know the the first song you're releasing and and the entire album. What's different about it? Because it has a different feel to it. You know, I've been so lucky in uh, in being able to make records that are eclectic, like lots of different styles of music on on each record, which was a bit detrimental when I was a young artist just starting out. Uh, all the big record companies were annoyed. You know, they couldn't really put me into a particular category. Uh, and so as a result, I had to make my own record company because I couldn't get a record deal. <laughs> and, uh, you know, to this day, we make records with lots of different styles of music on them. Broke into your car is, a, is kind of a dance feel, and uh, and of course it's a love song, which is the running theme of all my songs. We had a song that came out last February called Jim, which is a song of betrayal. It's very dramatic, mm-hmm. and uh, and there's a lot of thrash metal <laughs> on the new record for sure. Um, there's uh, there's just a there's a real mix, and uh, I love having the opportunity to do it. Well, we always welcome new music, and from you, it would be fantastic to hear the newest sounds. 
You can hear it tonight. So thank you so much for your time, Biff. We appreciate it. Oh, thank you. It's going to be awesome. Going to be awesome to get up there and see Biff live. Thank you so much. That's Biff Naked, international recording artist, author, music mogul, and breast cancer survivor. Tonight at the Great Eagle with Buck Cherry. So, you know I mean, it. Boy, it's a, it's quite the bill tonight. Great uh, Tickets are still on sale online. Great Eagle Resort and Casino.ca. So Biff live, fantastic show. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.